Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew. This is This Time in History. We were supposed to have a debate for Ward 4, but nobody showed up again. But that's okay, because we have Steve Yoon. He's running for Ward 4, and he did show up. And thank you, Steve, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Matthew. And with me, as always, I'll get used to saying that, is my co-host, my better half, my partner in crime, Ebony. Um, I, I'm very glad we actually got a chance to do a one-on-one, -on -one, Steve. Um, I'd like to hear, you know, a bit about your background and then ultimately, you know, answer the questions. Why are you running? Why this election? And why now? Go ahead. Well, th that's a great question. And, and I'm just going to start with, um, my wife and I were actually watching uh, CP24, and on the news, they were saying that there were going to be several candidates running in the uh, municipal election. And uh, with that said, some were going to win by default. So much like probably a lot of people who actually, you know, uh, jumped into the race felt, oh, okay, there's only one other person. They're going to win by default. If I go in, I'll be, it'll be a 50-50 chance of winning. Um, but, but more importantly, like I'm a big proponent of competition. And I just didn't want to see somebody just slide in just because they were there. And I felt like, you know, even if I get put up a bit of a fight at the end of the day that, um, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, I've been on this planet for 60 years. Um, I, I, I uh, look a, a lot younger than I am, like Yoda, if you will. <laughs> but more, more importantly, um, I do have a, a a background in uh, the federal government, um, 11 years uh, with um, uh, Canada Post. I've worked in the private sector, uh, engaged in the provincial sector. I've always been engaged in politics. Um, I've reached a point in my life that um, I have time on my hands and I just thought it's time to get off my ass and, uh, and put some action out there. I love that. Um, so, Let's let's uh, get into it. Uh, you know, you're running in Ward Four. I'm wondering um, if you've had time to develop your platform, what you can share with us, and then um, if you've started your door knocking or your community engagement, what kinds of things are you hearing at the door? Okay. Well, first and foremost, I just want to go back into my background, and um, I, I am wearing this, um, and, and not to you know divert into anything else but it, it was a friend of mine and uh I, I wear it in tribute to Andrew and uh and I have a lot of respect for the Toronto Police Force um I think they do the, a great job and it's unfortunate that um there are things that happen in our city uh whether it's involved with the police force or our children or crime on the streets um or just you know people not picking up their dog poop or, you know, or, you know, homeless and shelters and, and things like that. There's a lot of issues that are there, but my background is um, in the private sector. I, I worked indirectly as a supply chain for the city of Toronto. So I've uh, engaged in uh, events such as Nuit Blanche. I helped set up some of the art events, move some of the uh, containers in. I've engaged people uh, within the city of Toronto at the events level. Um, and uh, also it, I've done seminars at Toronto Police Services to help their supply chain uh, materials, bulletproof vests, for example, coming into the uh, sector from a private standpoint. Um, 
worked with Go Transit, uh, had to pick up a, check, a GST check of a half a million dollars for a train that was uh, wow. $10 million. Um, and uh, also engaged with Toronto Public Library for a lot of uh, inventory that was coming in, including equipment that was kind of complex from a customs international standpoint. Uh, also helped move um, some of the supplies uh, and um, inventory into certain departments and uh, showed them ways to save money through transportation, logistics, and distribution. Uh, and and uh, also, I, 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 you know, not only I love family, but I have pets, um, cats and dogs. And so I've worked, worked uh, directly with Toronto Humane Society, not only contributing from a charity standpoint, point, but um, more so involved with um, trying to do their job a little bit better and trying to help them do um, best practices that uh, make it easier for them to understand how to bring things in and out into their certain divisions and departments. Um, and, you know, just sitting down with them and trying to troubleshoot certain problems they have with logistics, distribution, and so forth. That's awesome. And, uh, and so in terms of your platform, uh, what what can you share with us? Well, it's kind of funny. I, I first started and said, "Oh well, uh, I'm going to lower taxes," and, and and that's just you know maybe not relevant only because that's what everybody else says. Because at the end of the day, um, taxes are there for a reason. There's a fiscal responsibility to um, you know uh, pay for the police force uh, to clean up our streets, pick up our garbage. Um, you know, there's infrastructure that that's there and taxes are there to serve the people so that their life is better, cleaner, um, you know, to um, take care of parks, um, make them better, build better community centers, uh, hiring the staff and the people, making sure that they are the right people and they're educated and uh, um, they're the best people at the end of the day, you know, right down from you know, animal services to getting rid of the raccoons to, you know, um, you know, places um, such as social services, um, our libraries, um, our police force, our fire departments. So all of those things are important. And um, at the end of the day, I think um, we, we still need taxes. And I'm not going to say I, I'm going to lower all the taxes because that's not that's not true because you need them but maybe try to spend it a little bit better and encourage our youth, including, you know, our, our current um, community to maybe look at a couple of things at the end of the day to help save money versus just trying to lower taxes. Awesome. Um, and sorry, you didn't say whether or not you had started your door knocking and what kinds of things you're hearing. Wow. Yeah. You know what? It's a great practice. And uh, I purposely stop people in the parking lot. Uh, I've gone uh, into the junction, um, talked to some uh, owners who talk about the BIA. Um, and I've, I've actually just engaged people uh, in Roncesville. Uh, I was in Parkdale. Um, you know, no, no disrespect to Parkdale, but um, I, I've seen better places, you know, walking on Queen Street. And, um, you know, there's a lot of disparity, a lot of people who, you know, who are on the street. And, 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 and I'm not going to say that, you know, oh, we got to get rid of all the homeless people. And, you know, there's an easy solution to that. Because at the end of the day, a lot of homeless people 
are homeless because they want to be because they might have mental disabilities or handicaps and they choose to be on the street. And it, it's sad when you see something um, that happens to them as a result of something that we could have done, like simply as freezing to death. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think we need to take a better look at that. And at, at the same time, I think more importantly, we need to be a little bit more respectful and kind to the people in need. Um, you know, like I'm not any different. I, I could be the next guy on the street because I've lost my job or something happened. And, you know, I, I went into a, a huge depression and then suddenly I just want to be on the street and people say, just leave me alone and people want to help you. And, there, there's a lot of things like that in my platform. But more importantly, if you go to my website, the one thing that, that really prompted me to, to be a candidate was 50% of our youth, 30 and younger, are not voting. And, and that's a great concern to me because why aren't they voting? Because they think my voice doesn't count. I don't care. Um, I really don't know what the issues are. When I talk to people out on the street, 50% of them don't even know who the, the counselor is or who's running. And that, that's interesting. Like, why don't they know? Because they probably pretty well don't care. So there are things that are out there that need to be kind of straightened out. And, and what I'm trying to promote as my platform is you have the right to vote. And if you didn't vote, you should vote. If you're young and you're 30 years or younger and you didn't vote, why didn't you vote? This is a huge question that's running through my mind that I'm trying to wrestle with to try to get the, the other 50% of, of these non-voters to go out and vote. There's places in Ukraine, China, Miramar, Syria, all these people can't vote. And guess what? Their life's crap. It's, it's just, it's terrible. And, and if you have a voice, in, in my opinion, if you have a voice, you have the right to complain about anything of all the services at a municipal, provincial, and federal. People don't realize how important it is to vote. And even if you don't vote for me, I want you to go vote. And if I at least do that in this particular platform, it makes me proud to have more people vote because our youth is the future. And if they're not voting now and they don't vote later, well, guess what? They're going to be as old as you and I. And as they get older, now they're going to start voting. Well, I'm saying vote now. Don't let it go. Democracy is important. And we live in a great city. So take advantage of it. And guess what? You go out and vote, it will make a difference. A huge difference. Absolutely. You know, I think... With the municipal election, last couple times now, it's it's been right after another election, usually the provincial one, and I think people still have PTSD from the provincial election. But uh, you're absolutely right, and uh, I don't know if you know, uh, but uh, in Ward Six, we actually have the youngest candidate in the entire uh, um, of, of everybody. She's 19. Excellent. She just graduated high school. She's running for city council. So um, I hope to, well, I've already spoken with her, her interview. What's her name? Her name no, no, no. It's, it's hope, hope sheer. Yeah. I love uh, it already. There's hope for sheer. <laughs> exactly. No, that's so wonderful. That that's, 
And I hope she gets elected in. And she may not have a ton of experience, but guess what? She's got the kahunas to get in there and, and do it. And uh, good for her. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the Swansea Muse real quickly. I'm wondering what you know about uh, the situation, how long uh, it's going to take to get these people back in their homes and um, just anything you want to add on that. Yeah, Swansea Muse is an unfortunate situation. And um, first and foremost, you know, the safety of the residents um, as a result of the building code and so forth, um, you know, their, their safety is and their families is number one. Uh, it was unfortunate that that one person and, and maybe even more could have got hurt. Um, it's a tough one because you know and I know the building like a thousand years from now, all the buildings won't be here. They won't be in the same state of repair. So what I'm trying to get at is, you know, um, you have a situation where the building was built, it's about 40, 50 years of age, things are breaking down. Um, I would try to go back, you know, and try to recoup some of the money that, you know, where there were shortfalls in the building code and so forth. But if that's not possible, the first thing to do is to expedite the, um, the safety of, of the people. It's hard to just like forklift and take a family out of it. It's especially if you have kids and they're going to the school and you have a routine, um, you know, if it was possible and I, I'm not going to challenge the engineers, but if, you know, the city's scared of liability at the end of the day and you actually take, um, you know, some sort of liability waiver you shore up all the areas where there could potentially be something happening, then you let them stay until you have an alternative or solution, but they stay at their own risk. If they don't want to, then you have to move them out. And as I listened to the dialogue that went through, it was like, it's, it's like months of like dialogue and just talk and, and really no action. So, you know, um, it's hard, you know, just overnight to move somebody and, um, you know, you do what's best for them. Um, if you get, if they can still stay there with, you know, and they feel safe and they're okay with it, that's probably maybe the best solution short term until they can get something else and, and move into something better. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's well said. Uh, we're going to move on and talk about uh, some different topics I like to talk about. Ebony, do you want to uh, take the lead on this one? We're going to start with the budget and then we'll move to transit. Um, you've seen the interviews enough to know. Uh, you, you go ahead. Um, I'm just dealing with my, uh, my dog right now. I'm trying to make sure he doesn't, he doesn't eat my dinner. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think you've, you've already mentioned that you're an avid uh, fan of the police. And so I think you'd probably be well-versed on their budget. So um, there was already a cry, you know, to uh, not defund, but like reduce some of the budget for the police and maybe fund that, um, funnel it elsewhere, like perhaps the housing initiative. But um, why don't you walk us through um, what you think of the police budget and why it's needed and how effective, you know, this it may be and where it needs maybe some work or what you would do if you were allowed to allocate the police budget, where you think funding is needed the most in the city of Toronto. And I mean, not just like, on the streets, but how do you um, reduce crime as a whole? And where where could we increase measures? There you go. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, 
you're right. I do. I do respect the police. And, and at, at the end of the day, um, policing actually doesn't just start with the police. Policing actually starts with the neighborhood. And it starts with everybody around us who can contribute to um, the safety of everybody. Let, let, it, it's a fact. There's going to be bad people out there and they're going to do bad things. I'm always, you know, a simple saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're probably part of the problem. And this starts with our youth too, because, you know, we need to kind of give them the respect so that they, they have a future of what they're going to do um, instead of like turning to crime and breaking in and doing all the bad things. But more importantly, the police budget, I think, is running over, close to over a billion dollars now. And, uh, you know, we have a wonderful police force, but there can be changes in it. Um, the average police officer makes anywhere with overtime, anywhere from $80,000 to $120,000 a year. That's a pretty good salary you know, at, at the end of the day. But do we need as many police as possible? Is there a more effective way to take that officer? Um, you know, just the other day I was, um, I was in a schoolyard and I saw three police cars. Basically, they were all sitting there for a couple hours talking to each other. So like, and again, I, I'm not disrespecting the police, but I think the time needs to be mandated better. So they need to be part of the community, putting on police cameras on, on the individual and have them walking through the community recorded and, and, and talking and make it a mandate for them to engage the community in a very friendly way so that it's like, oh, it's Officer Matthew. Oh, it's Officer Ebony. Hey, how are you guys doing? How's it going? Oh yeah, not too bad. Yeah, you guys having a good, you know, there needs to be a dialogue between the community and the police. We it actually, be... sorry, I'm just going to jump in. We actually had, uh, before they took the police out of schools, we actually had uh, an officer like that. His name was Officer Rich, and he came by all the schools. He let the kids sit in his police car, honk the horn, put on the siren, wear his hat, you know, stuff like that. And um, I, I don't think he was armed. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but, um, he, the kids loved him, but then they yeah. went and they, and they took cops out of the schools. Well, yeah, I, I think there's an intimidation factor that's in that. And, um, you know, like for the schools themselves, like if you do need the police presence, that's fine. Do they actually need to walk through the school? Probably not only, only if they're invited and there's some sort of event that, you know, enables them to interact with the community and the kids. I think it's cool because at the same time, you know, the only people who are afraid of them are the people who are doing bad, bad things, right? And not all kids are perfect and not all adults are perfect. And there are some bad people in the world. So, you know, I think if at the end of the day, um, you um, make it clear what their mandate is and they're very effective, instead of having 10 police officers, maybe we could do the job with eight. Why not? But you got to do it right. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to overhaul the police force overnight, but you know, just, just making things that make them accountable, um, having a camera on them, videotaping, it makes both, both parties accountable. So instead of like, well, the police beat me up and, oh, but this person said, you know, he pulled out a knife or whatever, whatever. You know, th those are things that are day-to-day -day issues. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we do respect our community and we see things that are going on, it doesn't matter if it's just school or kids or a street person 
it could be your white collar neighbor doing something bad. You know, um, there's a, I'm not going to say there's a lot of bad people out there, but there are bad people and we got to protect ourselves. And if we're aware of what's going on in our community, then somebody can say, well, hmm, gee, you know, I saw my neighbor and little Johnny there was like, um, you know, killing the cats. Like, I don't think that's normal. <laughs> right. And, and so, so if we're aware of like things that are going on in our community and, and then we notify the authorities, much like a crime stoppers or so forth, then at least, you know, we're all watching out for each other, whether you're children, seniors, school teacher. And, you know, I'm going to say I wasn't a perfect kid either. I wasn't a bad kid, but you know, like kids are kids too. Right. And sometimes they'll do stupid things. Steve, right? I want, adults. I, Steve, I wanted to ask you, one of the mayoral candidates wants to bring back carding as a tool for the police to use. I'm wondering uh, what's your position on that. Uh, it's, it's part of his, uh, platform well carding carding takes a lot of administration carding can be one-sided um I, I think if you do have a criminal record that at the end of the day um unless you can identify yourself and if you are a minor if you are a minor then there should be a guardian to identify um your children and what they do and, and if they do have you know actual criminal records then there's going to be an issue should we be stopping people because of their color the neighborhood they live in, uh, the, you know, and, and, and engaging those and then challenging them because, well, it's a bad neighborhood and you're black, you're Chinese or whatever, or, you know, it, I don't believe in Cardi myself, that, that bottom line, I like, I, I could go on forever. You know? And then you could talk to me about parking, right? Oh, how are you going to, how are you going to solve the parking problem? Well, yeah, yeah. I got a great answer to that. Well, guess what? 20 years ago, everybody had one car. Fast forward 20 years, everybody's got four cars. It's like musical chairs, figure it out. There's not enough space. So how do you solve it? You know how you solve it? You'd be respectful. Don't take two parking spots. You don't have to buy the F-150, you know? You don't have to buy the huge truck. And yeah, and, and you know, like when you park, be respectful, you're not blocking somebody's driveway. You know, and, and so they call the cops and then you get a ticket and everybody's pissed off, you know, and that all re really comes down just to respect the neighborhood and, 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 and how you engage your neighbor and your friends and your family. Absolutely. Um, since we're talking about crime, I just wanted to hit this one point uh, before we moved on. You know, uh, if you've been listening to my interviews, you'll hear me say that uh, I grew, I didn't grow up. I lived in ward three Topico lakeshore for 13 years one of the Tough main neighborhood one of the main reasons we left was the escalating violence i mean we had we had one of our neighbors get shot in broad daylight walk into the store there's drug dealing going on across the street it's a basketball court that turns into drive-by shooting and before you know it it's gang on gang violence i mean there was a shooting that was happening in the park and one time we thought uh, our son was in the park and now he wasn't, but we didn't know that at the time. And it wasn't too long after that, we made the decision. It's time to go. Um, I know that uh, this is about ward four, but I, I would, I was wondering if anything like that uh, is cropping up over the past four or five years and, and uh, maybe what's the best way to, um, I, I guess, to try to curtail the, um, 
the the uh, crime rate in Toronto. Sorry, I had a blank moment there. No, no, that that's okay, and, and I, I know where you're getting at. It doesn't matter where you are in, in the world, in any city. There's parts of New York, there's parts of Chicago, um, the population density, um, the disparity of, of income, um, single mothers, um, you know, children who um, are, are not privileged, um, become resentful, they become discriminated against, there's prejudice, um, they come from a lower income family. So there are parts of that neighborhood where, um, you know, the people, not just children, but may, maybe even the adults might be part of, part of that problem too. And, um, you know, if it's crime gang related, um, you know, whether it's Somali kids or Vietnamese kids or whoever, you know, it's hard to segregate those areas and, and just say, well, we're just going to send in all the police and, and fix it. Um, I think there needs to be uh, a conscious effort to, to you know, work on the youth and work on the police community to get them together. And a lot of people won't speak out because of the gangs, because there's going to be retaliation if you become a snitch. And, and, and people are, are more afraid of the family, so it's easier to do nothing and to be quiet and just let it go on. I actually live, um, um, you know, uh, on the other side of the tracks and uh, around Alliance on Jane Street, there's an average of one to two murders a year, mm. but we don't see it. Like we are shootings, murders, at least one murder a year. And there's several shootings and they're, they're all gang related. And uh, it's just because of the area. And um, a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the, the population density of low-income people who sometimes at the end of the day don't feel they have a chance to be better. So it's easier to do something wrong than right. I understand. Uh, Ebony, do you have anything to add? And then uh, if you want to move on to transit, I'll, I'll follow your lead. Yeah, I was just thinking um, a great way, you know, and a couple of candidates have touched on that to uh, reduce, I think, crime, because a lot of these teenagers are bored. Um, they're more involvement in extracurriculars, you know, some after school programs, that kind of thing. But like, um, here's a question to like, why school gets out so early, but regular jobs don't finish until six? I mean, daycare is expensive enough, but you can't even get daycare for teenagers. But th this is what the problem is. They're all, you know, congregating after school, whether it be in parks or in their houses alone without parental supervision or in the streets and in the alleyways, just up to nothing and no good. Um, another thing, um, there's so many of these dark alleyways in Toronto. And I think that um, especially in neighborhoods that have revitalization projects going on, there needs to be a um, highlight on adding extra lighting and maybe even CCTV cameras to these back laneways and alleyways, you know, so that people can be safe, you know, like just for, the, for females, you know, waiting at bus stops and everything, things need to be well lit. And the idea that even when stores are off, there are cameras recording, you know, that are easily obtainable because you can't really get some people's private cameras. So some people won't divulge. Sometimes people are like, hey, I caught something on a dash cam and you want that. But like a lot of people don't go to the extra length. So I feel like we need to have more cameras for sure, especially in these high violence, you know, neighborhoods. Ebony, I don't know why you're not mayor. 
<laughs> but no, you know, like 1984, Big Brother, who's watching who, right? You know, like there are concerns about privacy and so forth. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I truly believe that you um, in particular, oh, laundry day, uh, <laughs> like it's good. It's a good idea. And, and I think at the end of the day, if, if it does warrant uh, more surveillance, then people should be aware of it. And if we need to set it up, um, it actually reduces the cost of the police force um, because you can have the camera in the situations um, where incidents can happen. And instead of having the police, you know, driving around and wasting their time, you can be a little bit more localized on, on the action of the crime. And, and what's going on. So what you said about having more cameras and having more surveillance in the areas that, that are higher in crime, as long as the people who do know about it are aware of it. Now, on the same side, if they all know where the cameras are, they're not gonna do the crime in front of the camera unless they just wanna be on TV, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, those, those are all really good points. Now, if the police are actually walking around with the cameras, and, and they're actually engaging the community, then it should be clear, you know, what's going on because the police are there, they're an authority, they're carrying the camera, they have a voice mic. You can actually hear everything. Evidence is evidence. Who's right, who's wrong. Even police can be wrong, you know, um, or, you know, I'm gonna say, I don't wanna say bad, but they can be doing the wrong thing. Unethical at times. Yes. You mean I, like uh, maybe a good example is uh, James Fursillo? Well, you know, um, that incident took, was late at night. Um, I guess the incident was with a, a mentally challenged person. Um, Fursillo, three, what, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Tired, uh, probably all wired up. Um, you know, he did the wrong thing. And, um, you know, another officer might have done it differently. Um, and you've seen it in the U.S. You know, there, there's a small percentages of police officers who abuse their authority. And um, you don't hear about it because it gets swept under the, you know, the, um, the rug. Um, you know, there has to be accountability on everybody's side. Doctors, police, even firefighters. You know, the, the saddest thing that I heard in Texas was, you know, the chief who was going to retire didn't send anybody in and the kids were getting shot. Like, how sad is that? You know, and, and you're a police officer and you are mandated. I don't care if you're going to retire in six months. I would have gone in there with the gun to stop the guy. And I'm not an officer, but he purposely, you know, told them, no, don't go in. And that was selfish, I think, in my opinion. And they're, they're going to work that out. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everything needs fixing and everything needs to be better. Everything needs to be changed. If you leave it for a long time and, you know, people are in power for 16 years, 20 years, 30 years. How about Putin? It's a good example. Like he there, there needs to be a change in power over there. But why is he in power for 30 years? Our, our, our democratic system at the municipal provincial and federal level change people because change is good new ideas are good new people are good and if you don't bring in the fresh ideas the people who sit in power um, become complacent 
I'm not saying they're all complacent, but it's easy to be complacent after 10 years. We, and, and that's the reason why things are four years, three years, two years, whatever. And, you know, change, change is not a bad thing. And new ideas, such as having a 19-year-old come in and do something completely different, is not a, necessarily a bad thing. They may not be perfect, but as long as you work hard at it and your heart's in it and you're compassionate about it, then those are the people you want in power and looking after you. Definitely. Well or passionate. Yeah, passion's good. Nothing's wrong with passion. Huh? Makes me love. <laughs> well said. Uh, moving along to transit, uh, Ebony, you, go ahead. Well, I think you touched on it. You know, we don't just have one car anymore. Lots of people have multiple car, like cars in their family, or like two, three, sometimes four. Yes, and I think that being able to. Um, incentivize more people to take transit and leave their cars at home there, there needs to be um something done about the fare the fare keeps going up you know people are just like can't afford it or it's not even worth it to me i'm just going to keep my car it needs to be a large enough incentive like honestly i think if we made transit free more people would ride it period but like um also the bike rentals i mean i understand you need to take someone's credit card to ensure that they're going to return the bike but i mean I feel like if we made bikes free and bikes, you know, like a bike share program that was more accessible to people who weren't even just parking their car to, into the city to take the bike where they were going, then I think more people would ride bikes like in Holland. Sure, sure, absolutely. In, in China, everybody rides bikes. <laughs> and we're talking billions of people. I, I, I you know, tran transit is a good one. And because the inventory of, of all the cars that are out there is we, we do need to try to reduce as many cars off the streets because not only will it reduce congestion, but it'll also help reduce um, the parking issue. You know, yeah, we're gonna lose some money on parking tickets and so forth. But let's just say, for example, um, we made transit free for all the kids under 14 and transit free for anybody who's over 60, 65, for example, or, or even 60. So you make it free, um, they have to show their ID. Uh, you can't cheat on it because you use biometrics like your thumb or your fingerprint or your face, facial recognition, and then you can get on free instead of passing a card. Because if you have a card and anybody can use it and then just swipe it, and that may not be the person who's taking advantage of the transit. You can't make it free for everybody. So what you do is you do raise the fare for certain people, but the people who use it more often, you give them a reduction in a discount to incentivize them to actually take it more. And, and, and there should be a steering of the mentality of one person in one car. Like, I, I'm gonna tell you, like if you're leaving downtown at four o'clock or first thing in the morning during rush hour, you can actually count right around you how many, how many people are driving one person in one car? And, and then they say, well, there's a parking problem. Oh my God. Well, of course there is because there's one person in one car. So, you know, carpooling is a good thing. You know, the, the um, introduction of Uber has reduced, like cabbies had a monopoly and I feel sorry for some of my cabbie friends, but at the end of the day, people are Ubering because it's just easier and the cabbies now have competition. And having competition 
is very healthy. I think in all levels, whether it's hospitals, um, you know, services, um, healthcare, um, daycare, uh, you know, anything, anything that where the, the city has to pay money, garbage, for example. I got beat up because somebody said, well, you shouldn't privatize garbage, garbage guys, because look at all the jobs are being lost and these guys aren't getting a pension and yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, we had a garbage strike and they, they had Toronto basically in lockdown because it was, they, they owned it. And until you privatized it, right, they couldn't, they couldn't back you into that corner. Yeah, so I, believe, I believe Christy Pitts became the garbage dump of Toronto. Oh, yeah, I remember that summer. I lived on Caledonia Hill at the time. And like the whole hill was just dripping with garbage. Like as the as the garbage truck went up the hill, it just leaked it all out. Oh. And then the garbage out there for like weeks at a time, waiting for the garbage people to come back and pick it up. So walking up that hill, like there was literal just like sludge from people's garbage dripping down that hill constantly. And, was- and I'm a carded umpire, and I actually go to Christie Pitts, and it's a beautiful park. What a shame for that something like that to happen, right? And you know, privatizing or not just the word privatizing, but I think making healthy competition and services, bringing up the best people at the most efficient costs is, is a huge, huge platform to take. And you can save money and you can get the best people by having that, and I'm not gonna call it privatization, but competition to get the best people at, at the most efficient costs. Nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, moving Seven lines. That's how efficient. Seven different subway lines, and they all compete with each other to reduce their times. In fact, like they're so efficient that you, they're never late. If the train is late, they'll issue you a ticket for you to take to your employer because they honestly would not believe you. If you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm late today because the train," they'd be like, "No, nah, you're lying. You're fired. The train's never late in Japan." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you on that one. Yeah. Uh, moving along, I want to talk about public health. I'm interested in your opinion of how the city handled the pandemic at the municipal level, of course. Uh, if you think that the city learned anything, and in your opinion, would we be ready for the next pandemic? Well, you know, the, the fallout from the pandemic really, really, not, not only was it just a change of time in, in the two years for everybody, you know, families, the workplace, um, a lot of retailers and stores, um, you know, like not the Walmarts, not, you know, the big box stores, but a lot of the people who, um, you know, have their living because they have a shop on Bloor Street, a restaurant, you know, uh, they, they got they got killed. And, and, and as I started knocking on the doors in the junction and on Bloor West Village, you know, I, I heard a lot of like, well, not only can you not park in front of my store so the customers can't come, but more importantly, my doors were locked because of COVID. And, you know, uh, I think we've learned something, um, you know, through the three levels of government. At the municipal level, I think there was just a lot of following of the lead of the provincial and the federal. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, they're the ones who, you know, control the hospitals and the, 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 you know, homes. Um, and, you know, it, it, did we learn anything from that? Yeah, we did. And, um, and we learned that a lot of small businesses got hurt. 
and it's unfortunate. And, and if there's anything that we can do to get them back in, and, and I, I know there's some, some um, um, solutions that are out there to have the restaurants and, you know, have a little area so that you can sit outside. Um, it's a good idea, but honestly, like, I don't want to sit on the side with cars screaming by me while I'm trying to eat my salad, you know, like it's like, it's good and it's bad, but at the same time, you know, if we can, you know, reduce the traffic and, you know, cut off certain streets and, and, and it, you know, like the Ukrainian festival where you cut it off and then all these, like all these people, even from outside of GTA actually come in the, and they enjoy the city. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are solutions that we can look at. Um, you know, my sister lives in Burlington and, and I was out there and I was just amazed how clean it was and how happy people I love are. Burlington. I love Burlington. I used to deliver there all the time. I love it. So the point I'm trying to get there is there's best practices in other municipalities, and cities, even Chicago, Boston, um, you know, L.A. Like, even though it's big, there's certain parts of the city um, and counselors and, and people who are in politics who are doing really good things. And like what we need to do is not just try to come up with our own solution, but what's Burlington doing better than Toronto that that we can adopt and, and learn from? And, mm-hmm. you know, so there should be some dialogue between Mississauga, Brampton, um, you know, Toronto, um, Scarborough versus High Park, you know, and, and there's certain things that are going on that are, um, that are good and we should be sharing those best practices. That's amazing. You know, I've had fun tonight. Um, we thought we were gonna have a debate. We turned into an interview and I've enjoyed every, uh, every second of this. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna thank you so much for, for making yourself available. Um, even though, though nobody else did, we, we had fun. I love this interview. Um, I wish you nothing but luck on your, your campaign trail. You know. I tell this to all the people I interview, you know, election nights, it's Christmas for me. I love watching the results. It's like, uh, you know, just waiting and and to find out. And um, I, I hope that we've affected enough change that change can happen. Because I think the one thing that everybody that's running, the only thing that they can agree on is that the status quo is not working. Otherwise, why would you be running? Just vote for the people that are already in. Status run- quo must go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ebony, do you have anything you want to add before we uh, sign off here? No, no, just that I agree. Yeah, you know, um, our certain incumbent seems to be very out of touch with what it is to be a modern day, everyday person. And I really feel that, you know, at least we're going to get some fresh perspectives. Um, after talking to all the people we've interviewed, I'm really excited to see, you know, who's going to get what position and how you're all going to work together in the future to make Toronto a better place. Um, sure. knows, I wish that it was more affordable to live there. Maybe I'll come back someday. You guys affect enough change. Well, you'll and- be back. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. But uh, more importantly, I, I do have a platform. If you go to my website, steveuin.ca, um, in particular, I have a, a section called school info and and i really drilled into the youth and um you know there's other parts of it that are very general uh, but you know i am trying to get into my platform to try to you know um encourage the youth to vote and and honestly if i can get all the youth to vote for me i'll win the election 
Yeah. I will. That's awesome. And I will be, I will uh, copy your website and put it in the show notes on YouTube. And then once we, uh, uh, it'll be on YouTube first, and then it'll be on Spotify in, in a little bit, Excellent. Uh, maybe in a, in a weaker, it'll be before the election, it'll be on Spotify, but it'll be on YouTube tonight. Um, and I'll have your, your uh, website in there. And um, you, you have a Twitter, correct? I do have a Twitter too. But um, my, my, my kids, actually my campaign team, cause I'm doing everything, uh, as economical as possible said that the website is, is probably number one. I have Steve no, no, no. one too. Yeah. So no, what, uh, it's just that, uh, we, we, uh, the show has a, like the podcast has a Twitter account. So I usually, that's how I announce that I go on all the social media and I, I tag you. So uh, oh, as, excellent. Long, as long as I know that you have one so that you can like, uh, you can retweet it and, and, and uh, pass it out to whomever. And the link will be included in the tweet. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I'd love to get uh, more popularity. I, I actually play guitar and I had a song ready to go, but we, we can save that for another day. Maybe um, I'm, I'm actually at the Swansea debate tomorrow um, and I, and I'm bringing my guitar anyways, just in case that people are falling asleep. So uh, that's amazing. Uh, I, I, I love that. And you know well, what? Um, I, I didn't want to spoil it, but I'll give my listeners a little teaser. I am working on a secondary, uh, not a secondary in terms of like this podcast is more important, but a secondary podcast that's going to be uh, um, primarily focused on municipal politics. Okay. And um, whether you get elected or not, I- I'd love to have you on. Wonderful. Well, I- I've listened to um, several of your engagements and uh and like I said to you, Matthew, one of you guys got to be mayor one of these days. I'm okay with it. I'm right behind you. I'll throw I'll throw a couple of bucks behind you too. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, and again, I just want to thank you for this interview. I've had fun, and I know Ebony has too. And so, on behalf of us, really thank you, and we wish you nothing but luck in your uh, campaign trail. Thank you, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.